Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 246. Once again, you've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to continue our Good, Better, Best series. Uh, talking about AR-15s and then the accessories and things that go on that platform. Uh, yes, yeah, so if you haven't listened to episode 245, I would kind of introduce the concept of good, better, and best. Uh, our general philosophy with the store is we want to be your providers of better and best gear. Uh, we generally leave good or acceptable yeah. uh, to somebody else, but not really what we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And guys, let's let's not and you know kind of along the, along those lines. I, we're I'm not here to trash another brand. I'm not here to say that there's not a reason for less expensive items and stuff like that. But when you start talking about put staking your life, putting your life on the line. Um, you know, there's, you're making a choice is all you're doing. You know, you're just, it's, it's where you want to spend your money. Um, if, if you have the resources, um, and it, it, we have one of the guys we used to train with, uh, old timey guy, uh, spent some time in Nam, had really good hair. Um, used to subscribe to what he called the golden ass theory. There's only one out there and he's wearing it. So if he's going to buy something to keep himself alive or buy something that, you know, he might need to stake his life on at some point he's gonna buy as good as he can afford, or at least do some research and find the value proposition that puts the best product in your hands. Um, you know, if, if your current life situation puts you in a position where you can only afford to spend X amount of dollars on something, and you do your research and you're comfortable with X amount of dollars on a rifle or a pistol being what you feel like that's the best you can do at that time, that's cool, do it, no big deal. Um, the world's a weird place and I'd rather have something in my hands than nothing in my hands it, you know if you need it kind of thing um, but understanding that I will let somebody else do those entry-level products because I don't want to tell somebody that they should be staking their life on X Y or Z unless they absolutely have to um, and having said that we have ordered some of those guns for people as well uh, special orders just not something we keep in the store necessarily and we're gonna have a conversation with you about why you may not want to do that but if that's where you're at it's where you're at it's no big deal it's still a business yeah. we're still here to make money um, and, and do what the customer wants ultimately at some point, um, unless we agree, disagree with it morally or ethically. <laughs> Yeet cannon. <laughs> yeah, looking at you, Ian. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. So, uh, good. Yeah, one other note on that. A lot of this also comes down to a philosophy kind of known as buy once, cry once. Amen. Uh, a lot of times it is worth making the slightly bigger initial investment um, and doing it once than having to do something over and over and over again to yeah. get to a level, a platform that has an acceptable level of quality, reliability, yeah. um, and in the firearms side of things, you know, accuracy and precision. Yes. Um, yes, because yeah. those things all matter um, tremendously. So, um, so as, as we talk about, you know, good, better, best um, for, for us, um, good might be something like a Smith & Wesson M&P Sport 2. Um, we don't sell Sport 2s. Sport 2s have become problematic. Uh, there for a couple years, it seemed like that was a solid gun. Um, as we had a local police agency authorize Sport 2s uh, for a patrol rifle program, they started to see with higher round counts some failures with those guns that had to do with the manufacturing process, not so much the tools maybe some design issues the sport twos have front gas blocks that are held in place with set screws 
Um, and, and there's definitely a better way to do that. I'm not anti-set screw, but it has to be done correctly. Yeah. But I'm in, a, in this case, when we talk higher round counts, are we talking 10,000 oh, rounds? No, 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 like no, 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 we're talking sub three. Yeah, um, because the patrol rifle operators course, I want to say is like f less than 1500 rounds or less than 2000 rounds for sure. But I think it's less than 1500 rounds. It's not, it's not a super high round count opportunity. Yeah. So to, to kind of put that into perspective, if you're doing a civilian, uh, call it rifle class with ARs, yeah, you can generally expect to shoot about 500 rounds a day. Yeah. Uh, so this is a gun that might or might not make it through a three-day weekend class. Yeah, it, it might make it through one class, but it won't make it through the second. You know, kind of mentality. And that's not to say all of them were doing this, but what we ran, what 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 there the, were enough of them that they got dropped from the program. Exactly, exactly. It was statistically significant. Um, to the extent where they said, okay, people are staking their lives on these things. This is not the right tool. Um, and that's not to say that the MMP Sport might not be good enough for you if it's something, if you're buying it as a magic rabbit's foot to throw in the closet, you're going to go put, you know, a magazine or two through it a year. It'll probably be fine. Um, that's not how you should do it. But that's a different conversation. So uh, what they ran into, uh, set screws holding gas blocks in place. Um, now, set screws holding gas blocks in place. I would rather have a pinned gas block in most cases. Having said that, I run Daniel, I run Bravo Company guns, and Bravo Company guns uh, often have uh, pinned set screws, not not pins, I'm sorry, set screws held in place. I don't know what they do to put them there, but they don't come loose. It's not been my experience. I've got three of them, never had a problem with them. I don't know if they rock set them. I do know that when they use set screws, they generally dimple the barrels and stuff like that, so the gas block can't move. Um, and if it comes really loose, I, I, I don't know what that looks like, but I would expect that you maybe would see some movement as you're PMing the gun um, in the gas block, but it's still going to be where it needs to be for a while before it goes somewhere else. The mill spec for, for a long time was having taper pins run through the gas block and through the barrel, um, and I through like a tangent through the barrel kind of thing. Yeah. And then the sets and then those pins were put in with a pretty significant amount of force, they're tough to get out. Um, curiously enough, Smith and Wesson guns, their guns that have that are their mill spec M4 style guns do have taper pins holding the gas blocks front sights in place and i don't know what they put them in, in with but they are almost impossible to get out without destroying the front sight so not a problem stepping up one notch to a little bit better quality gun it'd be like an mp 15. yeah just a straight mp 15 and you're talking about going from 700 to a thousand or eleven hundred dollars so it's about a 300 jump uh, but there are some other things I would guess along with that that make that gun a little more reliable, a little more feature-rich, things of that nature. The other thing, um, castle nuts coming loose because, again, on the Smith guns, they stake the castle nuts on the MMPs, but not on the sports. The sports don't get the castle nut staked to the receiver in place staked into the castle nuts, so some of that was coming loose too. So, you know, it's one of the seals. That, that's the why of it. Um, and, and we talk about, you know, mill spec being a combination of parts made from the proper materials the receiver the 7075 aluminum type 3 hard anodized blah 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 barrel the barrel's 4150 chrome molly chrome line blah 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 um that's the mill spec is also how it's put together uh, you know is it is the front sight held in with taper pins is the castle nut stake properly uh is the carrier key on the bolt carrier group put in with grade 8 hardened crenellated bolts and then properly staked stuff like that I'm sorry, I just slowed down a lot to say that because I was afraid I'd trip over it. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, that's that's what we're talking about. We say good, better, best. You know, the good. There's a lot of there's a lot of good out there that's probably tolerable for somebody that's going to not put a lot of rounds through it and not beat on the gun. 
if you're a professional end user and you're going to train with it, or if you're serious about home defense and serious about being a citizen, owning a good rifle matters. A, a better rifle is better than a good one. So go from there kind of mentality. Yeah. Who who does those? Who's 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 out there that falls under better and best? Yeah. So in my from my perspective, like the low the low end of better. Um, mm-hmm. We're looking at stuff from FN. Yep. Um, we're looking at something like a Smith and Wesson M and P T or the M and P fifteen. Um, no, the, the sport is not anywhere in the product no. designation. No. Um, yeah, trying to think. You like uh, like an M four ish gun from somebody like Sons of Liberty Gunworks or Colt or Colt. I mean, even yeah, even um, Colt. Yeah. Yeah, and then we really very quickly get into just straight up better. So yes. we have stuff guns from Bravo Company, uh, guns from Sons of Liberty Gunworks. Daniel Defense, uh, who were the the ambidextrous guys, the LWRC. Yeah, guys. LWRC does a you know they do a really uh, nice they do rifle, really good stuff. Uh, HM Defense, uh, and then that better best yeah. overlap happens also I think very quickly for yes. a duty gun. Yes, because uh, we're still looking at you know Bravo Company guns, uh, especially we got the BFH barrel. Yeah, uh, Daniel Defense guns. Uh, Sons of Liberty guns that are free floated yep. and have maybe upgraded trigger. Um, the LWRC stuff again, if you're looking for an ambi gun. Yeah. Uh, the Daniel, what is that? The new R3. Yeah, the new R3 is a full ambi. A full ambi extras gun. Yeah. Um, and then stuff like Noveski, um, Knights, you know, your pick your Gucci gun. L- LMT. LMT. LMT does a great job. Um, until they don't, but that's a different story. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to pick an LMT for a couple of QC issues. Coming off a contract, going back into big production for the Civi world, um, I still think LMT probably made fewer dogs than most other manufacturers out there. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. I'd still keep LMT in that like better category. I yeah. don't think they're in the best. Yeah, I, I'd say um, it's a premium gun, but yeah, they're for sure. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then if you're chasing your know, competition stuff like guns like um jp yeah um trying to think who else yeah I, I don't i don't go into the comp something. world you know like, i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of really expensive stuff in the competition world uh, where you're chasing nth degree of how fast can i shoot it and the gun not move yeah and it's only got to work for three mags and then i can take it apart and clean it before the next stage yeah and in, in some of the and there are some manufacturers or two mags until you have to take it apart and clean it before the next stage. Yeah, and there's some manufacturers out there who do um, some crazy stuff. And I and I, I may have spoken about this briefly in the last podcast, but I joke around people about you know somebody hands you a quarter million dollars and says go buy a car, and you come back with a Ferrari, um, and then they say cool that that thirty ton pile of gravel needs moved ten miles down the road. You bought the wrong car. You should have bought a triaxle dump truck for a quarter million gone on. So it's kind of what do you when you get into that, you know, two thousand plus dollar gun, especially something custom made uh, from a high end manufacturer like that. If you're buying the Ferrari but you needed a dump truck, you bought the wrong thing. Then you can spend a hell of a lot of money and get a gun that doesn't do what you need it to do. So yeah. you know, so just that that would say, I'd say get get educated when you start spending those really high dollar amounts. We've had some people go and buy super expensive guns for duty use to find out that's what not what the gun was built for. They bought a they bought a thoroughbred when they needed a quarter horse or a Clydesdale. And so just watch out for that as well. That's part of the conversation. Um, 
when you when you break down the differential between going to the best end of guns you had mentioned like going up to going to guns like sons of liberty gunworks and and the guns uh from the guys at bravo company are legit duty grade go to war type guns very very well made they're mil spec or better they have they're more feature rich right that basic mil spec gun might have a fixed front sight um most of them are going to have a way to mount an optic on a flat top rail on the back end of the gun uh they're going to have traditional m4 stocks maybe something upgraded slightly magpul something like that um you know and those are those are serviceable weapons yep. to 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 you know for the the tool end of things from a dollars put out their perspective it, it it's a good value what most folks end up want to doing end up wanting to do is they want the free float foreign uh, they want some optics on where to mount lighting systems they want some options on how to do lighting systems they want some options on how to do optics and stuff of that nature and where you're going to put a sling on the gun and different things like that so when you get into that that's where going to bcm going to sons of liberty stepping up out of that straight m4 platform with plastic yeah. handguards going to the free float that's what you're paying for and then the leap going above and beyond that to something like a Daniel Defense or a the Bravo Company Hammerforge barrels, the Hammerforge barrel may or may not be more accurate. That's not what the Hammerforge barrel is designed for. A lot of folks um, get in old-timey mode and they think about Hammerforge barrels. And there was a point in the 80s and 90s where there were some companies uh, like Steyr was making Hammerforge barrels and sniper rifles. And people kind of got the idea that somehow maybe a Hammerforge barrel was more accurate. That's not what hammer forge barrels are built for. They're built for durability. Yeah, and so if you look at the guys that are shooting truly accurate guns, nobody's running hammer forge barrels. Uh, they're almost exclusively carbon steel, maybe stainless steel barrels that are custom bored, uh, punched, button rifled, or, or press rifled. I don't know how the, I don't know that process well enough to know what the best one is. Um, but the hammer forge barrel is longevity, durability, toughness. Uh, hammer forge barrels are what machine guns use. You can get them stupid hot, beat the living crap out of them, and get really good service life out of them. And it's a lot harder to hurt a hammer forge barrel. So that's that's where hammer forge barrels come in as, as kind of a winner. It just so happens that Daniel Defense happens to make a really accurate hammer forge barrel. Um, Bravo Company makes a pretty damn accurate hammer forge barrel. And these are all service rifle accurate, not necessarily precision rifle accurate by today's standards. If you went back again 20 years ago, um, the base model hammer forge barrel from bravo or from uh daniel will outshoot some of the better barrels made you know 20 years ago yeah. Yeah. so you know man just Im improvements in manufacturing technology etc have made you know have made better and best really damn good especially compared to what's out yeah there. yeah um, so. so one of the things that chris brought up was going from you know fixed front sight base and traditional plastic style you know m4 handguards yeah. even the magpul handguards to a free floated forend uh, that is one of, I would say, the big differentiators between a good rifle and the bottom part of better rifles. True. Like just a straight up better rifle. True. Uh, to get there, you know, to go from a pin and, you know, a fixed front sight base with pins, with taper pins to yeah. a free float, right, free float handguard, uh, you are generally completely rebuilding the upper receiver. Yep. Um, you've got to pull the barrel nut, you've got to pull the gas block. Uh, a lot of, you're properly set up you know if the fixed front sight base is truly done correctly um, the manufacturer is using a really big hydraulic press to put those pins in yes um, this is not a job that you really want to try to undo if you don't have to yep um, same thing 
with your delta ring and even the barrel nut. Uh, sometimes those get put on with really nasty uh, thread lockers yeah. or glues, or I don't I don't know what Novesky uses, but that stuff was miserable. Well, and the same thing with Bravo. Uh, you know, Bravo yeah. does some some really hairy stuff that you use to put you know to put everything together with. Because they um, don't want it to yeah. ever come apart. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and there's a lot of heat there. Yeah. There's a lot of heat there. And you have different types of metal engaging each other. So you have differential heating and cooling. And if you don't use the right stuff, something's going to rattle loose. Yeah. Uh, and this is where to go from that you know fixed front sight based gun to a free floated gun down the road uh, will generally cost you considerably more dollars yeah. than just getting the free floated gun from the start. Plus, you run the risk of, um, you know, everybody has their buddy who was in the Army um, who can build guns for them. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've seen, uh, and, and, I'm not, and this is not something that was like 20 years ago. This is stuff we've seen in the last few years where somebody had their buddy on the PD who was the gun guy build them a gun. Um, you know, years later, they've trained with the gun, run the gun hard, but at some point, the barrel's loose and almost don't pass the Apata rifle qual which you could do with a handgun. It's not that blindfolded. hard. Blindfolded. Yeah, blindfolded. Um, you know, and so they almost didn't, and so I'm, I'm having a conversation with this guy, brings the gun to the shop in a panic because this is a work gun for him. And, and a buddy on the PD built the gun, but used some manner of molly grease to run uh, the barrel nut down and tighten the barrel nut down, which part of the spec is when you're building is to run the barrel nut down with Aeroshell 33 um, and, and do it, you know, a few times to set the threads before you actually torque the barrel nut. And so I, I don't know what was used, but there are adjuncts in a lot of molly greases that you buy at Napa or AutoZone that can react poorly with aluminum. And what we found out is that there was a carbon or a copper or something in that molly grease that, that, that basically acted as a sink and eroded the aluminum and well, they put that on the inside of the barrel on the barrel and the inside of the receiver well this was an so aluminum barrel nut um okay. because it was an aftermarket free float handguard and so what had happened is it didn't do anything it it actually or i'm sorry it's a steel barrel nut but the barrel but the aluminum receiver it pitted the aluminum receiver and literally the barrel was was loose um and it was one and they also used the same stuff on the barrel to slide it into the receiver because it was a uh, at the time was probably a good enough fit that they were, I would guess that receiver had to be heated up. Yeah. Um. But the barrel was literally loose, and and that's a I mean that at that point that's like an explosion risk. That's a gun going kaboom kind of risk, not just a hey my gun's losing zero and not accurate kind of thing. Um. But it's a big deal when you start tearing stuff apart and putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. You really need to know what you're doing. It's a fairly simple system. And if you have the right tools and the right stuff, the right materials, the right consumables and disposables to do that with, it isn't a big deal. But you've got to have that stuff, and there's no magic to it, but it's also not something I think most gun guys necessarily know what that is. Like, if you've never heard of Aeroshell 33, don't build your own upper and stake your life on it kind of mentality. You know, I'm not saying you can't work your way through it. I've done it, um, but I got lucky that I didn't use the wrong molly grease or whatever. Now, you know, if I and I don't do it anymore. Now I just buy... Bravo Company complete uppers and go on, but the value proposition of buying an M4 style gun and saying, "Well, I'm going to upgrade it down the road," is not there because you have to tear a good gun apart and you end up with something that's less, even though you put money and parts into it that should be more. Yeah. From a reliability and longevity perspective, and I'd like the equation I would throw out with that is the guy who goes and buys Novesky and a Novesky upper and lower a Novesky barrel and says, "Yeah, I built a Novesky rifle." No, you didn't. 
Nevesky builds Nevesky rifles. You build a rifle out of Nevesky parts. You go and buy all Wilson Combat, upper and lower for a 1911, all their parts and put it together, and you build a Wilson Combat as your first 1911. No, you didn't. The guys at Wilson Combat that put those guns together have decades of experience doing that, and there's knowledge there that there's the little details that you don't know about because you've never done it before, and it's not to pick on anybody, it's just not the same. You run into that same, do you have the institutional knowledge to do this properly? And there's a frustration there to a certain extent for somebody who says, hey, I'm gonna stake my life on this, or worse, I'm gonna stake my buddy's life on this that's in the next cruiser that shows up by having a shitbox homemade gun that I didn't know what I was doing, or worse or beyond that, is it's my wife or my daughter you're coming to rescue with your shitbox gun, then all of a sudden it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things, depending on where your world is, to take seriously, but there's not a value proposition in buying a cheap gun and saying you'll upgrade it later. That doesn't exist. That's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard to tell people. They don't want to hear that because they have the money they have in their hand and they want to buy something now. And then when you tell them that's a, that's a fool's errand, it's a losing game to buy the gun and try and upgrade it down the road. Save your pennies, buy the gun you want. Buy the gun you want to get eventually, not the gun you can afford today. Is probably a better way to go. But that's just my opinion. It gets yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the reason why we push the free float stuff so hard on mm -hmm. ARs is it makes it dramatically easier to mount things like slings, optics, yep. uh, other accessories, uh, yep. lights, especially lights. Yes. And then if you are running you know, lasers or other stuff, uh, all that gets dramatically easier um, with the free floated forend, yeah. uh, especially if that forend has M-lock slots. Yeah. Uh, M-lock is the way of the future. Well, or not even the, future, the way of the future. The future is the now, future old is man. Now. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah if, for those of you guys that still have key mod stuff, uh, don't. I wouldn't necessarily rush out to replace it. Yeah. But I wouldn't buy any more key mod guns. Well, your options are uh, severely limited. Very limited. Yeah. Your options for mounting uh, or an interface systems are severely limited with key mod. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Whereas with MLock, there's new stuff every day that's MLock compatible. And if you are old school and you want pick rail, I don't care, that's fine, but you're kidding yourself from a standpoint of, especially with lights, you yeah. wanna get lights tucked into the gun so they're not catching on stuff so that you can route wire systems appropriately for pressure switches and stuff. Um, for sure, M-Lock is the way to go there. Um, this, the, the pick stuff sticks out, it's heavy. It's cheese grater. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's, just, it's, it's the old way of doing things and it was fine when it was what was out there but there are better options. If you just want it for aesthetics, that's a different conversation. I don't care if you're building your G-Watt, you know, cloner gun, totally cool, whatever. Um, but when you go to mount stuff on it to make it a working tool, you know, you, you get what you get. So have fun with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, and it, interesting. What didn't come up in a conversation about free float? Accuracy. The vast majority of these guns that we're talking about shoot just fine. They'll outshoot the, mass, the vast majority of shooters with the, with the type of ammo you're typically going to use in the gun um, the, the free float might increase accuracy depending on the system and what It'll you're doing. It'll definitely with it. increase precision. Yes, but it but that's not why we're doing it. We're doing yeah. it more for the modularity um, and, and to give you the mounting system's capability to make the gun modular and do what you want to do with the gun for you. And that's where free float really shines, especially with M-Lock. Um, you know, and it, 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 it will likely do some stuff to help accuracy as well. But yeah. that's not the reason for us. Yeah, if you're, you know, if you're running, um, say like bipods, mm -hmm. Uh, tripods, saddles, uh, shooting off of rests, barricades, all that kind of stuff. The free floated barrel 
uh, provided you're resting the handguard um, on whatever support will dramatically increase the yeah. precision yes. of the gun because you're not going to be putting pressure on the barrel. Uh, so you might it might come a, initially be thought of as accuracy, but really we're talking about repeatability. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, makes it a lot more repeatable to put rounds, you know, successive rounds in near the same place. Yes. Uh, yeah. If you yeah. yeah if you if you shoot you know your AR I don't care whether it's a free float or not if you t rest the barrel on something rather than the plastic handguard or the free float handguard you will see a deviation from your point of impact point of aim point of impact will change. Um, that's a normal thing if you do that that's why you're taught not to do it. Um, if you put a 16-inch barreled AR, put a 13 or six, 13 or 15-inch handguard on it, it's really hard to rest the barrel on stuff, um, which is a good thing, and it gives you a lot more options about shooting from barricades, shooting raw ball positions around vehicles, stuff like that. Um, it just lets you set up on the gun a little more comfortably and and maintain a little more precision. So, it's a good thing. Yeah. Yep. Um, picking on stocks. Um, go to the other end of the gun. Um, you know, picking on stocks on guns. Uh, good, you know, the good, better, best thing. An and, and M4 stock on most rifles is perfectly serviceable. Your sling mounting options are a little bit cumbersome, but functional. Um, stepping up to some of the Magpul stuff and some of the Bravo company stuff. There's quirks with all of them um, that Same I think... Same with the B5 stuff. Yeah, and B5 stuff. And I, I think there's, um, you know, j just to run through, like, and, and these are, this is all stuff we sell. So we're, while, we're, while we're nitpicking, um, we're saying that these are perfectly serviceable. If you buy a B5 SOP mod style stock or a Bravo SOP mod stock, um, take a, a nail file um, or some type of file or heavy grit sandpaper and clean up the front edge of it where the charging handle runs over because they will freaking bite you every damn time when they they're will, new. They will draw blood from your fingers. Yeah. And they're done that. It's yeah. not Me too. fun. Me too. Uh, after knowing that yours bit you, um, I cleaned mine up, uh, but I didn't do it fast enough. I wanted to see how it shot, how I liked it, and and took a chunk off one of my knuckles with it. Um, you know, so I mean, it's, it's just little stuff like that. Bravo Company stocks. Bravo Company stocks, when you put a QD in them, the QD ends up, the loop of the QD ends up running linear um, or parallel to the axis of the buffer tube. Um, and it doesn't let the stock lay as, as flat or as comfortably over your shoulder as it should or could. Into the world, nope, not a problem. Just one of those little nitpicky things. An old style M4 stock, if it only has the loop around the tube, then same thing, it doesn't lay quite as nicely as it should. It looks really cool in your Tropic Thunder um, gun horizontal to the ground patrol carry method, which if you're the point guy with an M249 or an M60 E3 in the NOM with the rest of your SEALs buddies, that's great. But for those of us who live around other human beings that don't want to get shot, not a great way to carry your gun. And when you start lacing it over your shoulder, it's just not quite as comfortable. And again, little nitpicky things um, that you know aren't a huge deal. Some of the Magpul, like the CTRs, um, they'll let the QDs lay lay flat, lay properly at the sling, do what it's supposed to do, and others won't. Um, the STRs and the ACSs are a little bit bigger tubes because they have storage and whatnot, and they give you that little wider platform for taller dudes who need to want a little bigger cheek weld. It's just playing with some of the stuff like that to find out the details on it. Um, and, and none of the quirks are the end of the world. And there's some things that like initially I'm like, man, this is stupid. Why didn't they make this to do what it should? And at some point you're like, it doesn't freaking matter. Just run the damn gun and go on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, where else? Grips. 
Yeah, the other um, okay. one other thing right. with you know a good aftermarket stock, be that Magpul, Bravo, mm-hmm. B5, you're generally getting a rubber um, butt pad that yep. gives you a little bit of non-slip. Yeah, and and then also you know not that you generally need um, recoil mitigation, but it does give a little bit of recoil mitigation. Yeah, um, and and they're and they're dramatically and they're, more durable. Yeah, and they're yeah. typically angled uh, such that they do fit better into the shoulder pocket. Yeah. Than just a straight up, you know, three dollar piece of plastic M4 yeah. style stock. Yep. Yeah. Less less slickery and better placement in the pocket or better placement on the shoulder for that head up position. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't they they tend not to rattle as well. Yeah. Um, I know like an M4 style stock that rattles or even the Magpul MOE stocks, the old old school MOE stocks yeah. that don't lock down. Yeah. Uh, they rattle. That kind of drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, so I like a stock that doesn't rattle. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, with your with your your facial hair there, um, the more a stock rattles, the more it pulls facial hair out. And that, yeah. That, that's just I'm getting used to. It doesn't matter <laughs> what stock they they all eat mustache hairs. It still makes me squeal like an eight year old girl when it pulls one of those goatee hairs out. Though I can't help it. So, but it is fun to watch me do the pee pee dance. So, um, you know, bounced around on the gun. Do you know how far down this rabbit hole do we want to go? Comps, muzzle brakes, stuff like that. Um, a lot of the comp muzzle brake conversation goes away when you start talking about putting suppressors on the gun. You're going to run whatever suppressor you need to run or whatever compensator or muzzle device you need to run yeah. with the gun. Um, but there are a lot of quirks there as well. Uh, let's jump into that for just a moment. As an example, Surefire. Yeah. Surefire uh, suppressors work better with the war comps, the, with their, not the war comps, but work better with their muzzle devices from a seal perspective and from a not getting carbon welded on um, the three prong and four prong surefire muzzle devices and even the closed tine that are not war comps tend to work better with surefire muzzle devices in terms of not getting carbon welded on and give you better flash suppression as well true enough and so you know some things to consider there Um, so you know whatever brand of muzzle whatever brand of suppressor if you're looking to go and suppressor silencer um, whatever you know brand you're looking at there do a little bit of research on the mounting systems and because most of them have multiple mounting systems so that if you're not running the can you can either have a comp or you can have a flash hider or or maybe some manner of a hybrid in between Uh, but the hybrids are quirky and whatnot and then you'll also find out too that like as an example um, some some new conversations around back pressure and flash issues with like the new surefire rc3s um surefires come out and made a statement basically saying hey we we want you to run flash hiders not comps on these and you and because that system is significantly more uh uh significantly more susceptible to changes um you don't and, and so what they're recommending or even like a closed tined flash hider is still not optimal when it comes to that aspect of it so just be aware of some of those things you get you know do your research do your due diligence um, call the guys at Silencer Shop, you know, stop in on a Friday, beat on Ian. He knows a lot of this stuff too. He's a little bit of a nerd about it. You know a lot about it. Um, I'm not smart enough to keep up with it, but you know, some, just some things like that to be aware of. Yeah. Uh, one of the other big questions and kind of things with flash hiders or muzzle brakes or mm-hmm. yeah. whatever you put muzzle devices generically, uh, you know, if you're doing a 14 and a half inch gun or 13, uh, seven yeah. to make sure you're over 16 once you're pinned and welded. Yeah. Um, those are definitely decision criteria to be evaluated. Yep. And then I would say, you know, what is the ultimate purpose of the rifle? Yeah. Uh, for just a general, you know, home defense duty gun, um, an old school A2 hider is still a really, really good option. Yeah. 
Um, it does what it needs to do. It isn't stupid, obnoxious if you're it inside yep. in an indoor range uh, or you're training next to people. Uh, crazy competition comps and mm-hmm. breaks and all that kind of stuff might save you a couple tenths on a stage. And you know, if you're shooting open class and that's really important, yeah. then you, you're doing what you're doing to win because it's Formula One with guns. Uh, if you are in a training class and you have that gun next to me, I can pretty much guarantee we will not be friends by the end of the class. True enough. True enough. I've got a pinned and welded uh, gamma, um, you know, from the guys at uh, at Aero Precision. That that VG6 comp. It is a loudener. It is. It is brilliant if you're behind it. If you're next to it, nobody likes you. Um, and I'm okay with that. I have enough people that and, don't like me. By next to it, I mean on the other side of a 50 yard wide range. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> nasty, uh, but. 14 and a half inch super lightweight gun and it does not move um it's pretty impressive how well it, it stabilizes things uh having said that man i would be reluctant to grab that gun honestly even for home defense at this point just because of how much more push there is with it um and so but man at the end of the world somebody said hey you're on your own you know you're going to meet up with rick grimes to clear terminus uh their tactics all suck they don't do anything right from a team environment anyway so screw them i would take that gun but otherwise, if it was people I liked and they knew what the hell they were doing and we had to be muscles close, I probably wouldn't take that gun just out of courtesy. Yeah. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to run a uh, like a blast jacket, whether it's like a Surefire Warden, um, yeah. Gemtech makes one of these things. Yep. Uh, a couple other companies make these kind of devices, but they attach either to the muzzle device or directly thread onto the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you shoot on an indoor range, really help push all that blasting concussion and things straight forward yeah. uh, kind of a nice option to have uh, especially or if you're on a you know an SBR or something and you're not running a suppressor um, or you want to be able to run if you're not, you know run suppressed run not suppressed the blast jacket is kind of a nice yeah. touch to be able to do yes. um, yeah yeah no like I said be a good neighbor uh, be a good teammate kind of thing um, and guys, this is literally every aspect of the gun we can get into. Triggers. Um, a mil-spec trigger is just fine. It, it's a little crunchy, but it'll do what you need it to do. Stepping up to an ALG or a Bravo Company PNT trigger takes you into that, what I would say that you got good, better, best. That's definitely the better category. Um, and then going to a, a Geisley or if there's another brand out there that's uber reliable, uh, that's our probably our biggest beef with some of the high-end triggers is they're made to go faster, not made to be reliable necessarily. And, and we hear about failures with those. And get, now, in all fairness, it's probably guys that run the living crap out of them, but generally don't have the failures with the guys lease. And just understand the limitations of what they are. Um, there are some super durable trigger packs that are amazing that don't tolerate being dirty. Um, Mark the room, I'm looking at you. Uh, the MBT is an amazing, amazing trigger. Don't run it suppressed. Well, well, or, or clean your gun every time you go, after every time you go to the range. You know, pretend you're in the Marine Corps and, and go clean your crap. Every time you shoot the gun, there's just a diligence aspect to it, a, yeah. a maintenance there's just, cycle. There's parts of that yeah. particular trigger that yeah. unless you're pulling the trigger and doing ultrasonic stuff, you can't get into clean. Yeah, and I it, exactly, because it is pinned together. You need to know what you're doing to disassemble that trigger and clean it, uh, or, or ultrasonic it, whatever. No yeah. big deal if you've got access to that. Versus um, big trigger, you know, the big G, Geisley. Uh, they're super tolerant of being really dirty and nasty and cruddy and carboned up. Um, and I don't think it's quite as good of a trigger until you get to like an SSAE 
Um, yeah. the, the MBT is a brilliant trigger, but you have to keep it clean. The SSA does not care. Run the snot out of it. Something else will probably gum up or, or, or choke yeah. before the trigger does, which is pretty cool. And so. and an SSA, an SSA, all the Geisley triggers get taken apart just like a normal mil spec yep. trigger, yep. which makes them really easy to be end user serviceable and yep. clean, lubricate, yep. um, take care of all that. You don't don't need special tools. You don't need fighter scopes and robot arms and yep. watchmakers no, kits yep. and all that kind of stuff. Dillos, Dillo dust. You don't need any yeah. of that to don't take it apart. So. Yeah. Cool. All right, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I said, I think we could beat the living snot out of this, but this is a big topic with rifles. So, yep. you know, that's that's the that's kind of the conversation around rifles, good, better, best. There's all internal parts in conversation. If you're building it, don't, um, you know, if that's fine to build it. Make sure you're building out of good parts. Buy a good parts kit, not some online uh, thirty-five dollar crap from somebody that rhymes with Anderson or something like that. Um, you know buy an arrow kit buy bcm build kit buy something like that and do something like uh, uh sons of liberty yeah does some really nice build kits you know go there so cool yep. all right yeah uh on that note as we come across interesting things we do try to post up to our social media you can follow us along on facebook and instagram on facebook we're cap city outfitters on instagram we're cap city outfitters too on our website, capcityoffitters.com, you can find information such as how to do an FFL transfer, or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Also on the website, you can sign up for our email newsletter or drop us an email to info at capcityoffitters.com. We'll add you to the newsletter list. And then we're here in Hilliard, Ohio. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. We're in front of the Ollie's. We're directly next to Louie's Fusion Drill. We're here Tuesday through Friday, 10 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 3, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys.